I pull up to my town with a price on my head I pull up to my town, I'm outside They wanna see me drown, it's on sides what they said I heard these niggas wanna take my life I don't apologize, I would die for this shit I don't apologize, I don't hide I'm Kubrick with the shine, got the ice on my neck They wanna throw a bag on a price on my head, got a price on my head Nine when I rest with a knife by my bed Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the No Cap Podcast A.K.A. the Arun and Sasha Show our uh, dealer, dearly departed friend, Will, who's very much alive, but very much not in Canada right now. He's down in Philadelphia covering the Raptors, trying to make a comeback against the Sixers. It's not been pretty, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But Arun's joining me today. Arun, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I feel like we should have like one of those, like, it's the Arun and Sasha show. Like, kind of one of those, like, sitcom-y music that ties in. But yeah, I'm doing good, man. Some, like, 80s or 90s, like, full house type montage. Exactly, exactly. You, like, run through the park. I'm, like, walking a golden retriever. We both turn to the camera at the same time. Exactly. That'd be cool if we could make that happen. If someone's out there and they want to make that happen, uh, let, let us know. There's endless opportunity. All right, so Will's not with us, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, so sorry if you were here for uh, hearing about Fred Van Vliet and uh, his contract details next year. But uh, we're going to actually talk about something a little bit different than what we normally do on this episode. Uh, there was a Harper's Bazaar article yesterday that was called Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. It was written by Melanie Hamlet. It generated a lot of discussion on the internet about general male identity and friendship and general emotional burdens and how how one kind of navigates you know feeling anxiety or having things that they repress and you know definitely it pointed out that there's a ton of guys out there who place that kind of emotional burden on their partners and uh, Arun and I kind of wanted to tie that into the more broad theme of just generally figuring out yourself you know like growing older navigating your 20s approaching your 30s some of us are already in our 30s yep but yeah, we just wanted to <laughs> generate a discussion from that and kind of sure. kind of talk about that because we both found it pretty interesting. Um, Arun, what you what you think of the article? So I think it might work best to um, work backwards from like age thirty onwards and how it correlates to that article, and then I'm gonna go from there. So this article it talks about how essentially Sasha is like tied in how like men um, struggle to really have like real intimate friendships with. Uh, with, 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 their, with their male friends, like, it's, it's tough, and they only rely on their partners for that, and I found it to be interesting, um, but you can, I think we could all, like, draw examples from our lives, and, like, you know, we have friends who may be like that. I'm, I'd say, like, I'm very fortunate that, like, our group of friends, or at least the friends I'm really close with, have, like, open, loving relationships, and um, you see it sometimes with some, some dudes who are, like, who are afraid to tell their friends that they love them. So, first of all, let's, let's go with that. Like, I think it's really important for me to tell my friends I love them when I'm proud of them, as often as possible and like you know if, if some people say oh that's corny like I think like people have defense mechanisms to that but in this world like there's you want goodwill for your friends you want happiness for your friends so I think for me like one thing I've done over the last couple of years like tell my friends I love them tell my friends I support them like, I'm pretty sure that Sasha tell you I love you like a couple of times per week and it's like cool and we keep it moving it doesn't have to be maudlin either but like telling your friends that you love them you support them you care about them and you can be in use that as a foundation of friendship, um, that's been really good for me, and those friendships that I have where that's what relationships like, those tend to be my stronger friendships as I, now I'm in my 30s. Yeah, and um, honestly, like, if you're not someone who tells your friends that you love them and that you appreciate them regularly, what's kind of the point of having friends, Facts. in my opinion? Like, mm -hmm. if, like, this might sound morbid, but we're all going to die one day. Yeah. And, you know, the same fate's coming for all of us. And if you're not going to try and form strong connections with, you know, people and let them know that you appreciate them and you appreciate the value that they bring into your life and you hope to bring value into their life through friendship, then it's kind of not to get super meta, but that's like kind of the point of existing. Yeah, exactly. No, no, you're right, man. And like, just a quick word on that. Like, I think some people might be listening to that. It's like, oh, well, now I'm going to have to be performative. And it doesn't have to be a performance. Like, no, you know what I mean? Or, like, you often, like, okay, I'm sure we've all seen this before in the past where, you know, we're probably in our mid-20s, you're finally getting to that stage where, you know, you tell your boys you love them, and someone in your friend group's like, 
you know, oh, that's gay or something like that, or ties into sexuality. And I think with a lot of dudes, they often confuse, like, um, intimacy and friendships with sexuality. Like, you can have intimate friendships that, that are completely platonic. Like, I think you and I have an intimate friendship, for sure. Super intimate. Super intimate, man. Like, but it has nothing to do with sexuality. I think that seems to be a mistake that, um, particularly with men, like, like have an issue with. And I think they need to combat that. Yeah, guys, honestly, like, I yeah. think, I know you wanted to go kind of backwards, but I kind of want to bring it a bit, a bit to the past in the sense that, like, we're both, you're 30, I'm 29, mm-hmm. we both started university in 2007, both graduated high school in 2007, so we're both, you know, we're different ages, we're pretty much the same generation, and we both went through school together, and just kind of looking at how, like, what the culture was like in 2007 versus what it's like in 2019, and being in university, having a majority male circle friend group, I can only speak for myself here, but I definitely repressed a lot of things that I was feeling. And I was yeah. very much a bro and very much someone who, you know, was just all about like partying and getting drunk and just kind of not really talking about what I was truly feeling. And at the time, I was actually going through a good amount. Like my parents had just got divorced. There were some things happening in my personal life. And unfortunately, like, that's why that article really struck a chord with me is that I was guilty of that. The girl I was dating at the time, I definitely put a lot of an emotional burden on her. And I find that it, it's it's something that I regret. And it's something that I hope that a lot of people aren't doing now, because I can only speak for myself. But that article really hit home in that sense, where we've, I think, maybe 23, like right when we graduated university is kind of the time when you kind of realized how stupid you were throughout yeah. university yeah. and we kind of adjusted and you know, like we, we really like now I know our friend group, we, I think we have a very special friend group, but I honestly think we have a very privileged position in that sense Super lucky because yeah. we're able to tell each other we love each other, but not a lot of guys can do that. And a lot of people like if you're, if you have a guy friend, if you're a guy and you have a male friend and you want to tell them you love them and they react negatively, negatively to that, that's their issue. I think. And honestly, yeah. like, maybe you shouldn't be friends with them. Yeah. No facts, man. Honestly, like, it's it's so true. Um, and, and I don't know. Like, I think, I, I know, like, I have friends who don't regularly tell them. And I feel sometimes that they're, it's so surface level. Like, you know, with guys, like, what I like about our group of friends, not to just, not to make our friends seem like, you know, we're amazing, everyone else is not. But I think there's a lot of positive takeaways. Like, you know, with guys, they often, um, root their friendship in like sports or drinking or women and hey man like you used to be a sports writer I'm very much in sports media Will's in sports media whatever you know I like drinking you know you like drinking heavily too you can have all of that but also have deep friendships like I think people like with guys they you know they get so awkward if it, if it, if it leads from sports or women or movies and stuff like that and that's fine we all like that shit too yeah, you know what I mean, a lot. Like no one likes sports than more than you will and I. The Schwab, right? You know what I mean. I've got a friend who I we hang out maybe about once a month, and anytime I see him, I'll immediately ask him, "How are you? Like, what's tell me about yourself? Like, what's new with you? How are you doing? How are things?" And he'll maybe spend about ten seconds answering that part. And then immediately just start talking to me about Mike Babcock's line combinations. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll be like, yeah, man, I'm doing great. Okay, so Patrick Marlowe, we're playing him too many minutes. We need to move him down to the fourth line. Like, yada, yada, yada. Like, right. we need a defenseman. Oh, Nylander is greedy. Like, he's and, – and, and I try – anytime I try and bring the topic back, he'll just, like, take it to somewhere else. And he'll be like, what would you think of Endgame? What would you think of uh, how they – I'm not going to spoil the movie. It's only been out for a week, but you get the gist. Like there are people who, if you like, when you try to have those kinds of conversations, they're going to resist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now that, now that you've said it, it's just led me to think like, there's obviously levels of like comfort within yourself too. Right. And I think that could be a thing too. But, um, yeah, I think like for, what I would advise is hopefully, like, you know, like, like having comfort in friends, friendships is, is real, right? Like, like, it, it, like Sasha and I are being, like, very earnest on this podcast right now, and all of the things are genuine, but it's not to say that you can't make, like, fun of each other. We make fun of each other all the time, well, sometimes mercilessly so, but I think one of the points of the article, maybe it wasn't that article, maybe it was something else I read that corresponded to the article, was that, like, yeah, like, as your friendship continue to deepen and get stronger, like, 
you know which buttons to push, like, or you know how to, like, you know, what things will upset someone or set them off, but part of, like, having those friendships is not doing those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you and I both know how to push each other's buttons and occasionally do at times, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then I feel awful for it and vice versa, right? But I think that's part of it, too, like, having that comfort in yourself to realize that, like... Your friends are not going to hurt you with this information. Like, you're, you're not going to be, you know, I think I think a lot of guys are afraid to be vulnerable because they, they're afraid they put their real self out there. You know, you're going to get judged or you're going to get called like some sort of, like, slur or something under the next. And I think you need to, like, be able to have a trust in your friends that, like, your friends are, are going to be riding with you all the way there. So, like... Well, it, it's a risky element, right? Because if you're, if you're your true self and you talk openly about how you feel... And you're not accepted. I feel that's like the ultimate emotional yeah, stat, right? Sure, it's like you're sure. at least if someone's unaccepting of you or someone someone's you know kind of being rude to you when you're putting on a facade. Deep down, you can just maintain that you know what, like it's fine, it's a facade. But I don't know, man. I think I, like I think that if you if you have if you're a guy and you have friends and you're able to get there, great. But not a lot of guys. A, have friends that they can be that open with, or B, I think have trouble making friends. Like, as that article pointed out, like, a lot of people, a lot of, there are a lot of men out there who they, they just use their partners as their kind of emotional support, and that's unfair, and there's got to be, like, I don't know, like, what advice would you give to someone who they don't, they have friends, but the friendships are very surface level, and they, they talk about sports, and they talk about, you know, music and they kind of keep it keep it in that realm like how would you what kind of advice would you give to someone in terms of getting like deepening those relationships and deepening that bond so that you can you know have those emotional constructive moments that's a good question maybe like to start off to pick your spots i think sometimes people get taken aback when it's just like it's meant to be boys night whatever you're like watching least game whatever and then someone brings up some real shit and everyone gets quiet and taken aback so it's really just like picking your spots i suppose might help yeah i don't know that's a tough question i think it is more of a gradual process you know yeah you can't just you can't just like go straight from like yo bro it's fucking conor mcgregor time to like you know real earnest hours oh i'm going through some shit whether it's like mental health or depression or relationships or what have you right like you know, if I was ever with someone and they said, yo, bro, it's Conor McGregor time, I would know that I shouldn't be friends with that person. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a pretty good... Yeah, I don't know. So that's just a tough question. I'm going to have to think on that. Well, what would you advise? Honestly, I would just... I, I'm not... I'm, I'm very much against wasting time and I'm very much like... I don't know. I, I think a lot about how I want to live my life and, and the relationships I want to form and, and the kind of... Not to sound like I'm super self-important, so I don't take this literally. I don't mean literally the legacy, but I mean like I often think about how if I were to go tomorrow, how I would want my friends to remember me and the kind of – like I, I want to be someone who who if something terrible were to happen, like I want to – I want to make – I want to be there for people and I want to be someone who's who who's there for people and who makes a big impact on people and who – I, I don't want to be – you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, I want to be someone who, who is really there for my people. Because for me, if you're my people, I'm, if you're my, one of my people, I'm with you 150%. And I, I want to support them. Because ultimately, like, I have my moments too where I need support. I have my moments where I need my friends to pick me up. And I need to be there for them so they can be there for me. It's like a cyclical thing. Life happens in many different ways, right? Someone might be going through relationship problems. Someone might be having some career instability. Like, yeah. there's always something happening, right? I feel that, man. Like, you know, I think, like, to the point, like, it's so much so that you almost want to be there for your friends. Like, the times that you're in trouble, man, like, I feel like I'm I'm the more, like, nerve-ridden, like, you know, kind of, like, eccentric of the two of us. But in the cases that you're in trouble, I feel like a certain, like, calmness comes over me. Like a preternatural, like, a clarity comes over me, like, you know, like, my guy's in trouble or he needs my advice, like, and it just, like, completely, like, it, it, it's almost like it's weird, like, I find, like, at peace, like, you were, like, you know, I remember a situation a few months ago and you called me afterwards and you weren't feeling too good about it, and I don't know, like, I just, I felt, like, completely, like, just calm and composed and felt like I could give you my best advice because something went off in my brain, like, yo, Sasha needs me, I got his back, like, you know, 
it, it, it's, I don't know, I think you develop these mechanisms over time with these friendships where it's like, yo, my friend's in trouble, he needs me, okay, I got this, and you can put everything else aside, and that's what I kind of hope to strive for. And you, you know? start learning how your different people, how your different friends respond to different things, right? Yeah, like, totally. Sometimes, like, I know personally when I'm going through it, I just need someone to logically explain things to me. Yeah, I know, I've noticed that over the years. That's what I do. That. That's why I think with you, like, I have to have that calmness. Because I'm like, if I just come here and just be like, nah, bro, you got this. It's, it's going to do nothing. It's going to do nothing for you. Where no, you just like, look, where you look at, I've noticed like when I've helped you the most, it's like, okay, let's look at the situation. Let's unravel the pieces. What's working here? What's not working here? This is how I think you're going to react to it. This is what I think the range of outcomes are going to be. Yeah. Okay, man. This is likely what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, haul at me. Yeah, I know. For sure. Like, you know? I, like, I know when you were, I know when you called me recently, like a few months back. Um, yeah, like you just calmly kind of explained the situation. You pointed out how things were going and how logically I, I didn't really have to be upset. And like logically, like yeah. I should be completely happy. And like that's, but that's because you know that like that's what I respond to, right? Like sometimes, you know, some people need an arm around the shoulder and they just need to be told that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And even if it's not going to be okay, that's what they need in that moment. You have to give it to them, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the time to be like, you're so fucked. <laughs> like that's no, not the time to, to, and honestly like that, that'll take practice. And that just, like you need that kind of shared history when you know what, what certain people in your group need. It's, it's kind of like a, there's no real one right. solution. Like I think I would respond to like if one of our other friends, like let's say, let's say Zach, for example, all right. Our buddy Zach, common friend, you know, friend of the show. Um, like I, when I feel like when I'm helping him, sometimes like, I have to use like different techniques, you know, and that's cool. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you guys are like slightly wired differently and that's all. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Like, I think I don't mean to be drawing parallels here that don't exist, but I think that one thing that this article really made me think about was guys who kind of fall into like the Jordan Petersonization (laughs) of, 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 of way of thinking and like people who, Cause I just think that like a lot of guys, like they just, they, they just kind of aimless in terms of like, they don't really know what they should. And I see it in people that I know where they don't, they just don't know what they should be striving for. or They don't really know like what they should be about. And here comes this guy who's a university professor who is speaking to, unfortunately, disenfranchised men, not that men have any reason to be disenfranchised, but like the fact that that doesn't make their feelings any less valid. Like they still feel disenfranchised. Obviously it's stupid that they feel that way, but they still feel that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So they have someone who kind of talks to them and speaks their language and tells them that they're actually the best and it's society's fault and it's everyone else's fault and they're perfect. And they're like the Supreme beings. That's why that fucking, those like snake oil salesman type people, that's how they get popular. Yeah. The, the absolvement of like personal accountability like you know what I mean I think that's what it comes down to like you know you come in you get the Jordan Peterson type saying it's it's society's fault that things are not going well or like you're a man you should be earning more than women because biologically your brain capacity is blah 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 it's such a fucked up argument it's stupid it's it's but but so the thing that worries me is I used to see people I I've had acquaintances and people that I know who have gone down that line and they and they become jordan peterson fans and obviously we're not friends but like i do know people like you know people you just have on your facebook from like university or high school you don't really talk to and then all of a sudden you see them posting about the 12 rules of life (laughs) you're just like what are you doing yeah uh i've had people i know people that have really gotten into that and they've really sunk themselves in and they obviously the pronoun debate was like kind of like his his initial coming out party I guess you could call it but at first I noticed that it was like people from high school that seemingly not to sound elitist but like they weren't really doing anything they were just kind of chilling and they didn't really have any sort of direction they didn't really have any career plans they were just kind of going with the flow life-wise yeah and I feel like those are the people that start believing that stuff and fall victim to it because it gives their life meaning and it Mm -hmm. gives their life purpose but what I've started to notice recently, and it came up with the debate that he had at um, 
this Sony Center a couple weeks ago, is that more and more actually, like, supremely educated and, like, well-off people are also falling victim to that. So at this point, it's like, it's just widespread. You can't draw, like, a standard character profile. You can't. It's, It's so many different people in so many different countries. It's not just white people, you know? Like, it's, 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 it's everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just goes back to, yeah, like, a lack of personal accountability. Um, you know, kind of touching on maybe a semi-related subject from the earlier part of the show, like, man, personal growth, I think, is something we talk a lot of, a lot. I think you and I both talk about that a lot in our individual conversations, and we've spoke about it on the show at some point. I think at least we have, or maybe in the pre-production meetings, but, you know, I think some of these people who, like, who bind to the Jordan Peterson School of Thought, like, they don't, they're not focused on personal growth, like, they're not focused on things they can improve, like, I think, you know, we've come so far, man, like, we talk about how we used to be when we met in undergrad, and we look at ourselves and, like, cringe at that, but, like, we didn't magically get to 29 and 30 and be feeling good about the people that we are overnight, magically, right? Hell no. It, this shit takes work, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard, like, you know, even two, three years ago, like, I'm in a lot better place. I was, like, wilded, man. I was wilding over some dumb shit, but then, like, you know, like, I realized, like, I'm gonna have to, like, cut these beavers out, and it takes time, and you know, people are going to be patient with you, but personal growth, I think, is a thing that is very important. You're either about it, and if you're not, if you're not really about personal growth, you know, if you're just like, well, here's all these extraneous factors that are explaining, like, why maybe my my career isn't going the way I want it to, or, you know, my dating life isn't the way I want it to go, or, or what, whatever it may be, you know, um, and it can be a vicious cycle at times, too, right? Like, let's say, like, your job's not going the way you want it to. You know, your dating life's not the way you want it to. Yeah. Like, you know, what other aspirations, like, you have. Like, I don't know, like, you know, maybe, like, your your interests are kind of dwindling or feel stagnant. Well, I think a lot of people are like, well, what could explain all this? Here's this catch-all theory that explains it all. It's easy. Right? Ultimately, life is nuanced, and people want simple explanations. Yeah. Because they're easily digestible in yeah. the 60-second square format Instagram subtitle video era. Yeah. Yeah, we have no attention span, too. No, we don't. And uh, to your point, like, you're right. Growth isn't linear. Definitely it's not. not. Definitely you, not. You're not. It's like, you get, I feel like when you're younger, you kind of get, you, you get served this kind of reality of, or this, not reality, you get served this like narrative. fantasy narrative of what your life is like. And I can only speak for myself here, but, you know, the kind of common thinking when I was in high school was, all right, you're going to go to high school, then you're going to go to university. You're going to graduate from university. You're going to get a job after you graduate from university. You're then going to move out of your parents' house. Then you're going to start dating someone. Then you're going to get married. Then you're going to move in with the person that you married. Then you're going to have kids. Like, it's just like, you basically, like, I I think that, like, the world kind of prescribes this kind of, like, this, you know, it's like a little, like, it's like an advent calendar. It's like, all right, now I'm at this stage. Time to poke this out. And it's like, ultimately that that's so stupid because <laughs> no one way of life is prescriptive for every human being. Every human being is different. We all have different interests. We all, we you know like things, things happen at different stages for different people. And I feel like a lot of people spend time, especially in their twenties, getting really anxious about maybe I'm lagging behind. Maybe, yeah. may, Oh, like all my friends are in serious relationships and I'm not, well, what am I doing wrong? Oh, two of my friends are promoted to this level of their company. I'm not. What am I doing wrong? Oh, I'm living at home. All my friends have moved out. And it's like, you know what? Nothing's linear. And, linear. and things will happen at different stages. And it's, it's, I struggle with this too, but it's really hard to, to really maintain that focus and just understand that you just keep doing you, keep figuring out like what you're into and keep living your life and honestly living your truth and striving for goals that you set for yourself. And it sounds dumb, but everything will be fine. Yeah, man. Like, I think I think you nailed it. Like, uh, you, you, you talk about, like, you know, we in the 20s, and even, even it's natural to, like, oh, you know, someone's doing better at work. Oh, okay, like, relationships are not, like, going so well. Like, I, I mean, I've had those fears. You know, sometimes even now you still have those fears a little bit, but I think, you know, learning to be, like, all right with yourself, I think, come, come at all, right? Like, it's tough. You know, you, you sometimes see someone... Oh, I'll say this, like, not like French, but you'll see someone else, like, in the industry, and you'll be like, oh, this person's, like, doing really well, I thought I'd be at that level. Then you have to realize, like, you know, who's to stop you, or what? what's to say that you're not going to get your next big break in a couple of months, right? It's just, like, take take time with these things. I think, like, 
you know, not to be like, and social media is this big catch-all, but I mean, there are times where you look at, at shit and you're like, oh, this person's got a dope life, and you realize, like, these are just the highlights, man. These are indeed the highlights. Yeah. And honestly, like, um, the part, the thing, the thing about, about comparing yourself to other people, just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just honestly don't it's do just it. Just a pathway to just, like, misery. That's how you get in your head. Yeah. That's how you doubt yourself. Exactly. And it sounds, it sounds it sounds easy and it, none of this is easy by the way no, like, we're, easy, we're right. talking about it like it's like yeah just do this and tell your friends you love and them I'm, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm talking like this shit as if I've conquered all these things which is not true we struggle with this daily yeah totally and, and the reason why we wanted to do this podcast was to talk about it and to talk openly about it and know that both of our DMs are open the no cap DM is open like yep. if yep. you want to talk if, you, if you're if you're struggling with something like we're both here Will's in Philadelphia eating a cheesesteak. I'm sure he'll be there for you too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like this this isn't just something that you conquer once and then it goes away forever. Right. But like going back to that, going back to our initial theme of the podcast, like I don't think I could do these things without my my friends, man. For real. Like I really, I don't think I could. And that's why I think, that's partly why I wanted to do this, this episode, you know, to encourage you know, strong male friendships that are that aren't toxic, that can be strong and nuanced and layered and have multiple interests. And stuff. Loving, and loving man, for real. Like yo, love your friends, man. Love your friends without worrying about like someone saying some stupid shit back to you. Like if someone pulled up on me and I was just like, yo, love you, bro. I was like, haha, you guys are fucking losers. It'll be like, I'll just throw the peace sign at him and keep it moving. Like someone like, told me I was a loser, I would I would wonder if I was on like the grade seven playground. That's then. true, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just like, what? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, like, unlearning I think people have to do, right? I think, okay, so, when Sasha, when when I first uh, met Sasha, one, the first thing that, like, drew me in was, like, our common love sports. Like, like dashing good looks. Yes, well, I was like, this handsome motherfucker's in competition <laughs> for me. Because <laughs> back then, I was also, like, alarmingly handsome. You're still handsome. Yeah, I know. But there's levels to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, but I was just like, it was like, like, you know, so I could engage with Sasha on a level of sports that, you know, that I thought was really cool and layered and, you know, at the time we were probably both dumbasses, but it sounded cool. I was 17, for context, I was 17, Arun was 18, Uh, our parents both rolled in the same social circle and we met at an engagement party? Yeah, we met at a friend's engagement party. In a backyard of like a brown engagement party and you know how when... Full service bar. for, For the brown people who are listening to this... You know when you go to, like, a brown event and, like, they just make all the kids sit at one table? Yep. And they... Actually, no, that's not just... That's just an event thing. That's, that's very... That's not a brown thing. Uh, and they made... So, so I was... I went by myself. My mom... My mom took me. And I was, like, kind of pissed because I was, like, I'm not going to know anyone. Like, you're dragging me to Markham to this random party. I don't even know who's getting married. Like, okay, fine. I'll come. And then... I, I go and I sit down in the backyard and then within like 10 seconds, I met Arun and then two minutes after that, I was just like, yeah, this guy's my boy. Like, yeah, I just, just kind of knew it right away. I think I, we both knew it right away. I was like, yo, this guy's awesome. Because like for, for me, like not a lot of people were going. So Sasha and I both went to the University of Toronto, St. George campus um, and not a lot of people from my graduating class were going to U of T, um, just by happenstance. And when Sasha and I both found out we were going to the same school, we are both going to the UT downtown and we both had like, these kind of sports, whatever. It was, it, was, it was awesome. It was really like one of those like cosmic moments that forever changed the trajectory of my life. Not to sound super corny. Dude, it was the weekend before school started. The weekend before school started. Had you not gone to the party or had I gone like sick or gone out and got drunk with my idiot friends? Like, <laughs> you know, who knows where we'd be at. Wouldn't be here right now. Wouldn't be here. Um, going back to that, though, that actually wasn't what I was planning to do with that story but it's i'm glad I'm, I'm glad we shared it but it's a it's an audio medium we go on tangents exactly so but why i brought that up is so our friendship was first crafted through like essentially through the veneer of sports like do you think having friendships like especially male friendships like um that are the friendship is so tied to the sports do you think that creates like some of the toxic elements where it's just or like the culture of sports itself creates like this this like toxic masculinity a little bit or or do you think that's just like a cop out or like where do you where do you feel on, on uh, about that that's a great question yeah. uh, I think it's a cop out because ultimately any friendship is usually formed around common interests so whether it's sports or whether it's music or whether you're in a fucking pottery class yeah. like ultimately when you meet someone for the first time and you have a conversation 
humans by default talk about things that they like. Yep. So if you like sports, you can talk about sports. If you really like the Beatles, you're going to really talk about the, the Beatles. Beatles. Yeah. That's kind of where you're at. So ultimately, maybe there's something to the point of sporting culture, especially if you're playing a lot, encouraging that for sure. But if you're just a fan of sports and you meet another fan of sports and that's kind of your entry point into the friendship, I wouldn't say that you're more or less likely to exhibit, I'm not an expert, but like I wouldn't say you're more or less likely to exhibit that kind of behavior. But I do see your point because like a lot of times, like, I mean, locker room culture, sports yeah, culture, like, that's a, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, Hazing. I, I think about this, like, all the time. Well, yeah, like, like, locker room culture, but just, like, even, like, the banter. Like, I don't know if they're inextricably linked, and I'm not trying to make it seem like all, like, all sports fans. There's a wide range of sports fans. Hashtag not all sports fans. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I've been thinking about this a bit, too. Like, you're probably right. There could be... Certain, because we've seen like toxicity in like the like the video game industry, right? Yeah, like, GamerGate and all that stuff. YouTubers, like, YouTubers, and all that shit. So you're probably right, but I think this being the the avenue that we know really well, you know, I was just kind of wondering what what you think. That's interesting. Yo, speak for yourself. I'm getting really into bird photography lately. No, your man's a bird. Your man's a bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just go to the Jays games and take photos of Vlad. <sighs> yeah, I might go on Monday still. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I was, I was thinking about that, like, too. I don't know, man. It's, it's something, that's something I have to, like, ponder a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, sports culture has also advanced a bunch, too, since 2007. Or oh, whatever. of course. Yeah. But I think sometimes, like, being a sports fan prior to that, maybe it was just, like, just being young, but I do think it was part of, like, well, you have to embrace some of this, like, this, like, machismo, you have to be this macho guy. Honestly, you have to be, man. like, you know... You have to oh if like you know if you have empathy towards our players you're being fucking soft or some dumb shit like that and I think you know what, you get what I'm saying here like yeah it, it like it forms these thought patterns that creates further like problematic behavior I would hope now that like people aren't like that that were our age I also think a lot of this has to do with the fact that we met in 2007 yeah and the world was a different place in 2007 yeah, like true. Honestly, the world true. was a different place and, and what what was accepted and what wasn't accepted and. We, you know, we went to high school in the suburbs and like going to high school in a suburb and only ever knowing a suburb, like you, you, you kind of have this, the walls are up, right? 100%. And you kind of, you, you're only around a certain group of people and you just think that acting this way is normal. And yeah. ultimately that's the whole point of, 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 you know, university and college and leaving and like meeting. And now, honestly, this wasn't a thing back then, but now meeting people online, like not everyone goes to school away from home, not everyone goes to school. But like back then I wasn't, I didn't have Twitter. Like I didn't have Instagram. Like my Facebook friends were people that I knew. There were no people that I'd never met on my Facebook. So it's like, yeah, sure. There were some people I exchanged like music with on MySpace, but like they weren't like now you got group DMs, you got like people FaceTiming each other who have never actually met before. Like I think that the internet, the, the technology, technology has come a long way too, in terms of helping kids to not grow up in a bubble. Yeah, man, this is, this might be embarrassing, but I don't know. I don't necessarily want to throw you under the bus, so to speak, but at least for me at that age, like I thought I was like the smartest motherfucker on the planet because I could switch between like saga man vernacular and like normal English, like normal English really well. So give me, give me, give me the code switching. Do one sentence, what a saga man would say, and then. Another sentence of how you'd say that. Are we just going to do like the verb tense agreement with still? I mean, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know, I don't know. I thought like back then, like they didn't that, want that, me. That couldn't even, that couldn't even do like some form of intelligence, but you only like realize like what the fuck? Who cares? It doesn't matter where you go to school. Yeah, um, none of that matters. Actually, that is something like some people have like younger viewers who are still in school. Viewers like, or listeners, <laughs> viewers. Yo, coming soon. Don't give away the Twitch details. Shit. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people who are still in school. At least are the younger, younger listeners of the pod like worry about that. Like none of that shit matters, man. It doesn't matter where you go to school. Like I'm sorry if you really do go to a prestigious school and like really feel about it. I'm not trying to knock you down, but like we went to a pretty good school and no one gives a shit. No, no one cares. No one cares about anything. Nobody cares about that shit. Just be a good person, essentially. Be yourself. Be a good person. Tell your friends that you love and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And be there for them. Support their work. Share their work. Celebrate them. Oh, yeah, man. I, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, and I might be stealing someone else's line. but like, Go for it. But one of the best things... No I've cap. Ever, one of the, like, the best things I saw a long time ago was like, it's so important for like media or creative people to have not media friends, man. Didn't Sarah McDonald say that? I think that was where it took it from, yeah. 
I read her article. She wrote an article or said that. But I saw that and I was like, holy shit. Shout out to Sarah. Yeah. I don't know her, but that shit was dope. Yeah. I no, saw that. that. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Or like, yeah. I think it might have been her or someone else. Someone had a tweet where it's like, it's really important to have friends who don't give a fuck about how many retweets you got yes, that day. exactly. <laughs> it's so important, man. If you, if you have the opportunity, not everyone's fortunate enough to do so, but diversifying your friend groups is major key, I would say. Go become friends with your parents. This is completely unrelated. Yo, go become friends with your parents. Facts. If, if you don't have friendship with your parents, you're missing out. Yeah. Because parents up. are interesting. Yeah, man. I'm like, man, I'm friends with my dad now. So people of the show, obviously... Well, not obviously, but maybe... No, they know. They know about... We him. retweet Ramesh on the reg. He's an awesome dad. He's an awesome guy to hang out with, man. And, like, you know, we go to, like, local, get burgers, or go to Drake Hotel and chill. And Rose on the patio. We went to the Jays opener and, like, had a couple of beers, and he just wanted to have a beer and just, like, yell and have a blast. <laughs> you know, being friends with your parents is... Well, okay, do you want to talk about that? Because I Let's know, do it. Because I know for certain people of, like, South Asian descent, that seems like an impossibility. Let's get into it. Right? This is the this is the podcast. So, we go on tangents. Okay, we? well, since you brought it up, how did you be transitioned from, like, that typical, like, parent-mother yeah. parent relationship to, like, being friends with your mom? Your mom's cool as hell, by the way, so. So I, yeah. I, I was always pretty close with my mom. Right. And, like, for me, I never really had to switch between, like, the scared child who like was trying to hide things from their parent into oh now I'm an adult and we can talk openly about things. Mm-hmm. For me, it was always open, and I think two factors contributed to that. One was my parents split up when I was young, okay. so I was pretty much just raised by my mom, and it was me and her for the most part. So we were just close. We were always close. Right. Uh, the second factor with that is that uh, before they split up, so I have three stepsisters. Three older sisters, and they're old as fuck. So I'm oh, t- I love don't, them. Don't, I love them. But they're old. Like that. No, 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 I love them. They're, they're 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 the best. We're so close, but like they're old as fuck. Like I'm I'm 29, and they're all in their ones in her late 30s, and the other two are both in their 40s. Right. Yeah. Um. So when I when I mean old as fuck, I mean like there's an age gap. Yeah. So sure. by the time I was in middle school, high school, they had all moved out. They had all gone to university. They had all gotten jobs. They were all dating people. Like they. They would kind of gone off to live their lives. So it was pretty much, yes, I had siblings, but it was also kind of just me. Like, I also had that only child experience, too. Yeah. And I think because my mom had, had helped raise three daughters, all of whom were slightly rebellious at various stages of their growth. And I'm obviously, I'm obviously um, going to preface this with, like, Indian families, daughters, sons, privilege, all that shit. Like, it is, it, that... I don't know if that was a factor, but it might have been. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that I had a very relaxed childhood and my mom basically never really like stopped me from doing anything that I wanted to do. Uh, I think that growing up, she, I think about that time I came along and I was the fourth kid she had raised. She was just, she was a bit older too because she had me a little bit later in life and she was just very chill and her approach to parenting had changed and her approach was very much just be honest with me, tell me what you're doing. And I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. So I was always honest with my mom from the get-go about, like, if I was going to a party, I would be like, I'm not going to, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go study. I'd be like, I'm going to a party. I will be back by this time. And it was very much like, she treated me like an adult almost in that sense. And, and when I did lie or when I did do something, I was obviously held accountable. But she didn't, there was no, like, inherent distrust. Like, we always had an open communication. To this day, like, I still talk to my mom very openly about, my friends, my dating life, my work life, like she knows pretty much everything. And she's kind of my soundboard in terms of how, like me helping her, her helping me. She ran a business her whole life. I, I helped her out and giving her advice on what to do there. She helps me tell me what to do in terms of like my career, my relationships. She has a ton of experience and we just kind of lean on each other in terms of like helping each other out really. And like, we've always had open communication, so it's great. How about yourself? Um, yeah, like, when it comes to, when it came to, like, the drinking and partying stuff, that's something that my parents were always were cool with, frankly, so it wasn't so much from, like, the, like, having to, like, the hide, I was fortunate enough to, like, you know, well, you know, like, I also very much shared the same kind of honest relationship with my, my parents, when it came to, like, partying or going out somewhere, because, but I was kind of doing it more to, fl- I mean, I was, I guess, an asshole, more to flex on my friends at the time, frankly, you know, in high school, it's like, oh, you can't do that. Well, watch this shit. Yeah, mom, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to the party. Yeah, there'll be beer. All right, I'll be back whenever. Cool. 
But I think for, like, my mom, like, her and I used to fight a lot when I was in high school, and largely because I was an asshole, but I think it was also part of it, too, was, um, you know, my mom is a neurotypical person, and she, like, I had attention deficit disorder, and, you know, I was, like, taking the concertas, and I hated it. I thought it stopped me on my personality, and she was like, no, like, this is what, like, the doctors are saying. This is, like, you need to take your meds and all this stuff, and we used to argue about that. And as for my dad, it was more of, like, he was always been, like, a cool guy, but we used to argue, too. I think it was, like, he also learned to relax a lot, too. Yeah. I think, I think for me, part of it was, like, you know... I had, like, a different type of, like, the stereotypical, like, stereotypical Indian, like, parents, like, sex. Because, like, my parents had high expectations for me. But, like, you know how most, like, the stereotype goes, like, it's, like, science, technology, engineering. My parents were like, we don't really care if you don't do well in math or science. But you better fucking rip it in the subjects that, like, you're good at. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of academic pressure there. And then I think, like, too, it's, like, what really, like, helped like, my was like, when I got, like, my first, like, staff writer job. Yeah. When you get, like, your first, like, full-time gig, you know, that kind of feeling, like, yo, my kid's going to be all right, everything's going to be all right, like, you know, like, all this was, like, not for nothing. I think that really helps. Like, I think with people who are still in school, some of struggle with that, like, the relationship with the parents, when's it ever going to get better and bigger, right? Like, but, uh, yeah, for me, like, like, moving out was a major turning point. And now, like, I go hang out. Like, I really look forward to seeing my mom and, like, going for lunch because, like, you know, hanging out with someone that ultimately always has your back. And my dad's, like, one of the most fun guys. Like, your dad is the most interesting man in the world. He's such a dope dude. And, like, before it was just, like, oh, my dad's, like, an affable older person who was, like, fun to hang out with. And now it's, like, yo, we're genuinely friends. That's great. And he asks about, like, all my friends. He's, like, how's Sasha? How's Zach? How's how the guys doing? Like, cool. Shout and out to your parents, man. He, so I think, I think they're. I think really it's just about, like, establishing boundaries and certain, for, like, South Asian kids specifically, like, it will get better. Like, you know, um, I don't know what type of level of honesty. I was always, like, militantly honest. And my mom probably didn't want to hear some of the shit I was saying, but it's like, yep, getting fucked up. Like, cool. And Ultimately, you know, like, you, you as a, as a child get to set the parameters for that relationship. Yeah, exactly. And if it... And if they're not accepting of it, then that's unfortunate. But as long as you're true to yourself, if you don't want to have that, like the flip side of that is that if you know that if you were totally honest with your parents, they wouldn't accept you and they would react negatively. And you, you make the decision that you would rather just kind of have it another way. That's on you. Like we're not trying to say like, it should only be this way. No, like, there's you, so many different ways. Yeah, you, totally. you need to make it work for yourself and you, everyone's parents are different, but the, uh, the, the addressing it is kind of like the big takeaway yeah. instead like, of ignoring it. Like, Hey mom, dad, I'm a 24 to 26 year old person with who's like in a graduate study or have a job or whatever, or, you know, like things are going to be fine. You know, yeah, you don't have to worry about me in the same ways that you have to worry about a seventeen-year-old. You're twenty-six and not married. Yeah, well, they're not getting married, part. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she married, Arun? I don't know. Haven't found uh, found the right one yet. Do you want to marry Arun? <laughs> is that is that what we're doing? DM here? us. Oh my god, <laughs> show's getting off the rails really quickly. If you, marry, if you want to marry Sasha, DM us. That's when our DMs are going to be loaded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this is a terrible idea yeah we should have never done this yeah whatever we'll leave it in all right do you want to uh take a break and then answer some questions after this let's do it all right see you guys soon they want to throw a bag on a price on my head got a price on my head nine when i rest with a knife by my bed i'm so paranoid i'm asleep but i'm dead i'm so paranoid i'm asleep but i'm dead price on my head got a price on my Welcome back to episode nine of the No Cap Podcast. Uh, we're going to answer some questions as always. Um, you know, we're on Twitter at No Cap Pod, and our thing is we'll answer literally anything. So uh, ask us questions, even if we're not recording an episode, just tweet in a question and we'll get to it on the next episode. Yeah, that works. First question comes from big, big friend of the show, Devang Desai. He says, For the superstitious, where to watch game four? And I believe he's referring to the Raptors-Sixers game four and not some other random series. 
yeah, it would have to be that. Oh, uh, man, dude, watch it at home. Or wherever you watch game one. Where'd you watch game one, Demang? Right? Because, like, where else would it be? Game one was... Oh, that was the game that uh, Kawhi and Pascal went off. Yeah. That was last Saturday, right? I watched. We watched that at my place. Watch it at my house, Demang. Come over tomorrow. We'll watch it. It'll be great. Uh, next question. It's a two-parter. It's from Malcolm Kelly at Sportsnag. Yeah. Uh, former program coordinator? No. He, he, he was a program coordinator at Centennial when we both went there. He said, only basketball. I said, no, Malcolm. We'll answer anything. And then his question was, why is Raptor Twitter so much nastier than Leafs Twitter? And Leafs Twitter is pretty nasty. As someone who was on Leafs Twitter, that's not true. Like, Leafs... Look, man, like, that seems like a pretty loaded question. As someone who doesn't like leading questions, Malcolm, that's uh, pretty leading. I don't understand. Like, do you think it's with players? You don't think Leafs fans are nasty towards players? You don't think Leafs fans are, like, yelling at Patrick Bartle to get the fuck out of town? And I, I don't understand it. So, no, like, look, as, like, Raptors Twitter has a reputation for being, like, overtly, like, emotional and caring and passionate, but, like, you think Leafs Twitter doesn't have the same things? Like, I think maybe some of these responses are kind of coded in a way that you're maybe not seeing, my friend. But I, uh, I don't know. I like I as a Leafs fan, I wish I could engage with you here, but I'm sorry, that's just not the case. All right. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I just think Twitter is a nasty place. To be that, honest, that would be that would be such an easy answer. Should have gone with that. But I just a, think I just think uh, Twitter is nasty, and uh, you know, Toronto is a city of. You know, Toronto takes L's a lot. So I think you combine those two factors and that's what you get. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next question is from Kenzie Thompson. She asks, I'm thinking this one's for me. Are you excited for the Bachelorette reunion show on Tuesday? And who is your favorite Bachelorette? Do you have a favorite Bachelorette, Arun? Uh, I don't. I don't. But that's not because it's like I dislike the show or whatever. I just don't recall any of them. And I didn't watch the season. It's like the Bieber deposition. I do not recall. The Bieber (laughs) deposition video is amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, if you haven't watched the Bieber deposition, turn off this podcast. Turn it off after we're done. And then watch the Bieber deposition video. Modern art. Um, Yes, I am excited for the Bachelorette reunion show. And my favorite Bachelorette is obviously Rachel Lindsay. She's by far the best Bachelorette, and she's by far the coolest, and she's the one that I would most want to hang out with. Okay. All right. Let's scroll up a bit. Next question is from young Joshua at Not Josh Hart. Uh, I could only wonder who he's referring to when he asks, what happens if you bet on yourself and you lose? Then you continue to keep betting on yourself. I don't know. But if you're FUV, I don't know, man. You got to do something. Uh, I think Fred, I think this question is about Fred VanVleet, and I think Fred needs to realize he's incredibly short, because for a guy who's incredibly short, he doesn't really realize how short he is. Like, sometimes he'll attempt these contested jumpers and get the shit blocked out of him by Jimmy Butler when he's on him, and it's just like, man, Fred, you're like 5'11", like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you saying here, man? Yeah, it's, it's been concerning, but I don't know. Um, quite generally, I don't know, just keep betting on yourself, but if you're FEV, who knows? I think there's a certain point where if you bet on yourself enough times and you keep losing, just like bet on other people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Like, I don't know, like, I'm not a big gambler, but, you know, if I just kept betting on myself and losing, I'd be like, you know what? It's like, let's bet on Will Lou. It's like the episode of Atlanta where, uh... Earn have, tries to race Michael Vick. Like, don't do stupid shit like that. Can't do it. Don't race Michael Vick. Uh, all right. Next question is from Eric at Knocked. Why can't Kawhi play forty-eight minutes a game? Um, well, because nobody plays forty-eight minutes a game, and uh, you know it's 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 really hard to play forty-eight minutes a game. It seems like, like I don't know. It seems like a bad idea. Now that that being said, he should probably play like forty-two minutes a game, forty-three minutes a game. Yeah, he's not, like, superhuman, man. Like, that's a, that's a big ask. I know you're probably saying this because, like, what else are the Raptors going to do? I understand it, but, like, that's a lot. And, like, do you want to be Tom Thibodeau? Like, do you want to, like, really run him to the ground? It's tough. Like, Kawhi's minutes are going to have to go up. Like, the load management's been opposite for this moment. Um, like, idealized minutes for him at this point by, what, like, 41? It has to be in the 40s. Yeah. Like, but, four, 40 is the minimum he but has But consider, like, 48, like, LeBron didn't even play 48. He played, like, LeBron was, like as we all know, it was, like, super conditioned, and he was, like, dying at 46 minutes. So, yeah. 
I don't know. 48's a lot. 48's a lot, man. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Well, we'll, we'll see what they do. Uh, next question is from the Zoobs. Shout out Zoobs. He asks, this is a great question, what is the one biggest way each of you has changed in the past year? Um, hmm, good question. I've stopped caring about Twitter shit. I used to care so much about like getting roasted on Twitter and all that stuff. I don't care anymore. It's not important. It's not important. But like, it, it does bother me if like my actual friends are like mad at me. Of course, that always does. But like, if the boys are just getting jokes off, I don't give a shit. And that used to bother me a lot. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have a lot of clarity. Uh, I think like a couple years before this one, I was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I was like doing something, but I, I didn't really have an end goal or I didn't really have like a five or 10 year plan. I didn't really know where I was going. Uh, and I think in the last year, I've got a lot of clarity on what I want to do and kind of like how, how I can do it. And I just kind of, I, I'm really excited about life right now. I'm really excited. That about should life. be, man. That should be. Yeah. Um, next question is from, oh, we'll answer, we'll answer Will. Will's part two. The one biggest way that Will has changed in the past year is that he's a fucking celebrity. Yeah, man. Right. <laughs> we, like, when we go out with him, he gets stopped. Legit. Will gets stopped. It's it's wild. Like, you know Nav? Like, Nav struggles to get recognized by TMZ? Yeah. People roll up on Will all the time. Yeah. And he handles it so well. He does. Media training, man. Famous people. They just know what to do. Get Instagram, Will. Speaking of Will, next question is from Will. Another good question. Uh, go to Nook Cafe order. Oh, man. Shout out to Nook. I miss those guys. Um, my go-to is the spicy chicken panini. I'm a big fan of the curry chicken panini because it's got apple slices in the middle. Ooh, that's not uh, bad. Shout out to the Nook family, man. They're, like, I want to have that type of, like, serenity that that guy has. The they're, Nook family is very cool. They're very cool. and They're very sweet. I like them a lot. All right, the next question is from Sabrina. If Beale Street could tweet, she asks, which Sixers player would you sleep with? Ben Simmons, maybe? I don't know. You want to sleep with Ben Simmons? That's just like a wood You want to sleep with Outback Steakhouse Carter Williams? I mean, like, I don't know. You tell me, you tell me, you tell me what the palatable option is here. I'm trying to think. I think it'd have to be Jimmy. Jimmy I think Butler. Jimmy's the best looking one. I'm trying to figure out who's the most attractive. Jimmy Butler's handsome, and he dresses incredibly well. That's true. Hmm. Jimmy's fits are real. When he's practicing in a crop top. Yeah, we might get killed if we don't see Jimmy Butler, frankly. So I don't want to sleep with Boban. I know that. I'm able to confidently say that. Yeah, or JJ Reddick. No, not JJ. Tobias. Maybe Embiid? It'd be like Embiid, Butler. I'm going to say Butler. I'm going to say Jimmy Butler. It's a good question. I'm stumped. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Uh, Jake Goldsby asks, what is your favorite podcast and why is it Sportsfeld? I don't know. Uh, my favorite podcast is No Cap. Uh, I don't want to get fined by my own podcast. Hey, man. Jake, we love you. Yeah. Uh, we just think our podcast is better than yours. Uh, next, yeah. next question is from at Retro Buminati. He asks, is Kyle Lowry simply finesse God Raymond Felton? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, he might be. I saw a great tweet today that was like, Kyle Lowry is the only player in the NBA who can walk into an LA Fitness and probably wouldn't be the best basketball player in the court. Kyle Lowry's catching so many strays. I don't know. Also, Raymond Felton's catching strays. Keep in mind, Ray Felton used to be like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, and now he's like thick, backing yeah. up Russell Westbrook. I'm old enough to remember when Ray Felton was like a fucking whirling dervish. What? A what? A, yeah, I don't know. I'm using phrases in the 50s now. What? Sorry, what did you say? A whirling dervish. What does that mean? I'm not even sure, but I think it means like one of those fucking like souped up like, like never heard that before things. yeah I could be fucking wrong <laughs> I'm just making up shit now I was like you Darvish what <laughs> yeah yo um I don't know he might be he, he might be in the playoffs uh next question from Frank Yakabuchi. he asks does Fred Van Vliet deserve to have his own logo I mean uh, I don't know the context oh for like his clothing brand? yeah the, his clothing brand I think he can have guess, his own logo. Yeah, sure, why not? If we have our logo. If we can have a logo, that VV can have a logo. Yeah, I'm with that. He follows up. If you could turn back the clock, would you have picked Stackhouse over Nicholas Nurse? That's a tough question to answer in retrospect because, like, 
who's to say what Jerry Stackhouse would have done? I wasn't happy with Nick Nurse at all after Game Three. Um, but who's to say? Like it's you know this is I feel like this is an easy picking. Like you know this might be a little unfair because Nurse wasn't the particularly popular choice to begin with, right? Am, am I wrong in saying that? Um. I think well, well, Bud had the like Bud used the Raptors as leverage right. to get the Bucks to you know to get that Bucks job a bit better. But like I, I definitely wanted Bud when it was like looking like it was going in that direction. Right. But I didn't hate the Nurse pick, and I think I'm trying not to react to like a three game sample size against the Sixers. And when I look at the Raptors' play and record this regular season, considering they didn't have a healthy team for pretty much the entire year, considering they had you know, like a 700 winning percentage without Kawhi Leonard and managed his load and finished with the second best record in the NBA. I'm trying not to overreact to the three-game sample size, and I would have probably liked Nick Nurse. Like, I I would like to see... I'm. Let's just put it this way. I'm curious to see how he adjusts, because, like, I don't want to bury the guy right away. I don't want to bury him yet, but I was pretty mad after game three. I want to see if he can adjust. But, like, also, too, right, like, it goes to say, like, how many coaches would, like, get the Raptors at hump, like... Paso Siakam's doubtful for Game Four. Like, if the Raptors get killed, like, how much of that is function, or how much of that is Nurse like not adjusting? Right, when you lose your second best player inexplicably. Ultimately, everyone wanted him to match up Gasol and Embiid's minutes. He did that. Ultimately, people wanted him to play Kawhi Leonard more. He did that. He's made. He has made some like the right adjustments. But like, when your bench is getting outscored by James Ennis every night, there's only so much you can do. The Raptors eventually show up and listen. Joel Embiid might be the best player in that in the series. I'm sorry, like, that's just, like, Joel Embiid is a fucking awesome player, and he's, he's playing, like, one, I mean, this is very, I don't know, simple analysis, analysis, but Joel Embiid's really fucking good, guys. Nice of him to show up after laying a fucking egg, games one and two. Right. Kawhi, Kawhi God mode, need more of that. Uh, next question is from Victor, at Bringer of Hain. People really, really jumping on the same train here. How many points is FVV going to average for the Guangdong Southern Tigers next season? He'll still have an NBA contract. If you want me to play up to your joke, he'd probably average like 35 points a game. 35? And I don't know how many people... I honestly don't know how Yo, many where's Sim Buller playing? Is he in the Philippines? I don't know. Or is he in China? If you're if you're like a seventh man or eighth man, like an NBA, what, two seed, and then they just drop you in the Chinese league next year? He'd probably be pretty good. Yeah. Come on, man. I know FFB is taking slack, but he would light it up. Kyle Lowry would be a sick backup point guard in China. <laughs> There it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, man. No, uh, that FEV contract, though. Oof, $9 million next year. Find a team that needs a point guard and uh, maybe maybe try and think about ways you can get off of that. Um, the final Twitter question that we got is from Daniel Reynolds. Shout out to Dan. Shout out the sad group. He asks, will we always be like this? Uh, maybe, Dan. We'll see. What does he mean by like this? Yeah, I don't know. Like he, like I saw him last night. He's in good spirits. I don't know. All right. I don't know, man. Time will tell. Uh, Dan, I I think we'll always be like this. I'm sorry to break it to you, but we are the way we are. Uh, I lied. There's another question. It's from Kelsey, and she asks, "Do you think I'm pretty?" Sure thing. And thanks for bringing us cookies, Kelsey. Much appreciated. Cookies? Yeah, Kelsey brought the podcast cookies. So I'm gonna distribute them after. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to try that. Yeah. Yeah, super pretty and probably very good at making cookies. Uh, got a couple questions in the Instagram DMs. Uh, the name at the name is Dragon asks, "Why must the Raptors consistently break my heart?" The answer to that is because they're the Raptors. Uh, Farouk says, "Hey, bro." Say, "Hey, bro," back. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Hope to see you tonight. And the final question is from Dan Briu. He asks, "Talk about Kapanen sucking titties." So if you're unaware, there is a Kasperi Kapanen. Calling it a sex tape might be a stretch. Might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's like a series of of, of Snapchats of him and someone uh, fucking around that someone stitched together into a sex tape. Uh, you can look it up. It's on Reddit. It's it's out there. Um, yeah, Kasperi Kapanen has a sex tape. Uh, that's that's my only comment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what much to say. Um... It's weird. It's definitely weird. Yeah. If you're if you're someone who like can't, like can't help but watch sex tapes when they leak, this one's a weird one. So just prepare yourself accordingly. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more analysis to add. Right? Like, yeah, you want to do like a frame by frame breakdown? No, I don't. Listen, uh, just advice: if you're creating a sex tape and you're listening to this podcast, 
Don't do it with Snapchat filters. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's like the prescriptive. I think that's the most disturbing part of it, the Snapchat filters. The fact that it's Kasperi Kapanen with like the dog ears, it's just, there's a lot happening. Whatever, 22 year olds make mistakes. Tell me about it. Yeah. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Remember to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and rate, rate, and review us on iTunes. We need more ratings. Get in there. If you made it this far, it'll take two seconds of your time. Go for it. Arun, thanks for joining me. You got it, buddy. All right, until next time. Peace.